Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Handley. Episode 11, Inktober and Gouache with Miriam Tilson. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you for joining the show. Before I get into the interview, here are a few quick updates over the past couple of weeks. I finished my uh, James Gurney easel. So this is a small easel I've been using for urban sketching. And uh, I was able to finish it about, I'm going to say, a week and a half ago. And uh, so I bought the plans from James Gurney. I'll include a link in the show. It's, uh, it's been great. It's a small little easel. It has um, some interesting hinges on it, a few magnets. So I can attach like an urban sketching kind of landscape pad as well as uh, my uh, the custom watercolor pans that I created, and a small water jar. So it's worked really well. It's really small. I can cram it into a bag, and I've had so many compliments and people interested in what it is, if I can make one for them, and uh, it's been great. And so it's, especially on a windy day, I was at a, an event today that was quite windy, and because it's so small, it doesn't really get impacted and it sits on top of a tripod that I had already. So it's quite stable. It's worked out perfectly for me. So I would encourage you. It doesn't it's not a lot of money. It takes a little bit of time. Not much. And uh, James Gurney does a great job in the video explaining how to put it all together. So if you're interested, uh, check out the link and I'll point you to James Gurney and uh, just as I said, go to his website. Uh, you can purchase the video. The instructions are really straightforward. So uh Please check it out. It's pretty cool. So I received a, a Pentel brush pen. I've been interested in kind of ink brushes, and uh, so I picked up this uh, Pentel brush pen that has kind of ink cartridges in it. It's been good. It's uh, it, it's a different feel from the Sakura that I've been using, and so I'm going to play with both, I think, a little bit. The challenge I have with the Pentel is that ink doesn't dry as quickly as the Sakura, so if I'm using it for urban sketching, I'm finding that's a little bit problematic for me, but it, it's quite nice. But that being said, I'm investigating fountain pen for urban sketching. So I looked online, I was trying to find something with a flexible nib, so that as I applied more pressure, the, the nib would bend and give me a, a wider incline. And so I did find a link, I, I don't have it available at this time, but there is a company out of the US that makes these pens and they're back-ordered, so anyways, I've got an order in for one of those. I went uh, to Amazon, and I bought one of these Sailor pens, and I'll provide a link to that as well. Uh, it comes with a Fube, um, I think is how you pronounce it, nib. So this nib, if you look at it as a fountain pen nib, it's, it looks like it's been broken. Uh, when you get down to the very tip, it's kind of angled. And so I've ordered two of them. One's at 45, sorry, one's at 40 degrees, and the other one's at 50 degrees. And the intent with this is that if you hold it at the right angle, it's it gives you a normal kind of ink line. If you tilt it so that flat piece, that broken part um, of the nib is flat, it gives you a much wider ink spread. And so I'm really excited about this because it means that as I'm drawing, as I'm inking an urban sketch, that I can play around with the width of the line a little bit. So I'm excited about this. The disadvantage is I've received one of the pens and it came with ink cartridges, but they're not permanent ink, so I can't use it with my watercolor set. I've tried it. It seems good. I, did, I do have some proper ink, but I have to wait for the, the, the uh, pen converters. And so these are little cartridges that you put inside the fountain pen. It allows you to uh, basically put it into an inkwell and, and suck up ink and then put that into the, into the fountain pen. 
So I have to wait for those two converters and then I'm going to properly uh, evaluate it. But I'm quite excited about this idea of something that gives me some precision, a bit more control than maybe a brush pen, but allows, to, allows me to go wide when I need to go wide. Uh, I still want to find that flexible nib, but I think these, these Fube nibs are going to be uh, interesting for me. And I, I had a chance to do a couple more urban sketches this week, uh, or sorry, maybe in the last couple of weeks. So one was at a, a, a large um, uh, hotel here in Ottawa called the Chateau Laurier, and there was an event around just some uh, plans about uh, building around the, the Chateau Laurier and, and harming kind of the look of this, um, this beautiful building. So I was there. It was an opportunity for me to sit out and sketch, and it was quite enjoyable. It was actually my first time using the James Gurney easel, and so I did have quite a few people ask me questions about it at the time. So I, I think that it's, it's always a little bit um, stressful for me to be out in these public events because I love people asking questions. I love interacting with people, but I'm always so exhausted at the end of it. Um, but I do it over and over again. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but as I say, it's, I'm an introvert and uh, I, I do, uh, as most introverts, you kind of have this separate persona when you're out uh, that allows you to um, operate a bit more normally. Uh, but it, what it means is when I come back, I just, I really need to decompress. And so it was a great event. Uh, some great people, a lot of questions. I really enjoyed it. It was um, an opportunity to sit in an area that I've been to many times, but never as an artist. So it was, I, I quite enjoyed it. And then today I was at another event just around, uh, there's a local group that wanted to kind of expose artists to the community. And so the intent was to have these artists in a park doing their work and let the community know so they can come by and ask questions and and see what's going on and what they're working on. So I went down and did a sketch of the park itself. And so that was fun. It was quite windy. Um, my tripod uh, didn't fall over, but uh, it was um, there was gates falling down and it was just it was quite dusty. Uh, but I, I really uh, I connected with a few of the artists, and that's always a great opportunity. And obviously, there was a lot of community people stopping by and asking questions about what I was doing and the types of paints and brushes. And uh, so I did uh, pick up some new brushes, but I'll talk about that probably in the next episode. So I was mostly using my water brushes, and they worked really well. And so I'm going to stick with those for a bit. But uh, it was, um, I, I took a different approach with, I used a different pad. I put tape around the exterior of uh, my surface so that I could contain it a little bit just to try and see how it would turn out. I think it turned out pretty good. Uh, it doesn't give me kind of the wide that I've had with the typical sketchbook where I open it up and, and paint on both sides. I still think it looks, looks pretty good. So uh, yeah, so those are some of the updates that have happened in the, uh, in the last couple of weeks. Now before proceeding with the podcast, a small disclaimer. Miriam and I discuss trauma, and specifically childhood trauma, as well as mental health. We are not medical professionals, so do not consider anything we say as advice. If you are having challenges in life right now, please reach out and speak to someone. I will be providing a few links to sites that are available. Above all else, please take care of yourself. Now, on with the interview. My journey into ink and expanding my creativity began with a series of videos I watched nearly a year and a half ago about an annual event called Inktober. These inspiring videos and the artists behind them were part of the motivation for me doing Inktober in 2018, as well as expanding my artistic journey since then. To talk about her journey, Inktober, 
as well as drawing and gouache, I am so excited to welcome artist and illustrator Miriam Tilson. Hi, Miriam. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. <laughs> it's wonderful having you uh, having you on the podcast. I've been wanting to do this for some time. Um, as I mentioned, you were inspiration for me in doing October last year, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Sure. But I wanted to kind of, I mean, people have to check out your work. Your <laughs> <laughs> The pieces you do are so compelling. And um, in kind of the pre-show here, I was saying that I, I'm a little bit frightened of your mind, but your work <laughs> is <bad>. so compelling. <laughs> it is... Uh, it's it's so creative, it's so original, and um, you know when you talk about an artist's voice, I'm pretty sure that I could separate your work from anyone else's just in looking at it. So I think it's wonderful. Wow, thank you. So I wanted to find out for yourself, like, what is your earliest memory of drawing or painting or being creative? Is it something uh, you did as a young child, or? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I I, I was an, an only kid, so I didn't have brothers and sisters to interact with much, and I was very much a kind of an introvert, kind of like the weirdo creative kid. And I I spent pretty much, I'd say, fifty percent of my time drawing and fifty percent of my time reading. It was it was just just that, and the two kind of intermingled, and I got inspiration from what I read and. It, it was, I had a really, really vibrant inner world. Um, and I, I just spent, I could spend days and days outside just imagining monsters around me and just, and then trying to translate them to paper later on. And I drew everything and anything. So I have no idea how early I started drawing. I just, I always remember myself drawing. It's, it's difficult for me to pinpoint, especially when it started becoming. Um, so passionate for me. It was it was just always there. It was my main hobby, the main thing I wanted to do, the main thing I spent my whole time doing. We didn't have a computer, we didn't have TV, so I read and I drew, and that's pretty much what I spent my childhood doing, really. <laughs> so did you then go to school into art or illustration? or No, actually. Well, in France, where I grew up, you... You kind of study all subjects up until you're 18, mm -hmm. but when you're 16, you're allowed to decide on one subject that you want to have more hours of every week. And I decided to specialize in art. We didn't really know, learn how to draw. We mostly learned art history when I was um, studying. I had about, I think, four hours of art every week or maybe five, and we mostly did art history. And every so often had personal projects so I never actually studied drawing or painting um it was all something I did myself I went to a foundation year when I moved to England because I wanted to go into makeup and I did one year one foundation year in an art school again didn't learn anything <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the weirdest art year we didn't learn anything at all um so yeah no absolutely no 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 no, no real art education that's incredible. Your ability to to draw people um, in in Thank you. in very, to say once again, compelling. Like you know, where, where the face would be removed from the rest of the skull, and being able to have those proportions kind of contained, and and um, and being able to weave this kind of magic into what you do. To, to have that come from like what you would consider maybe not a formal education around art is is I think I think that's exciting because uh, you know the for the person listening who's thinking about doing this to know that you know if you love something and you enjoy it and you pursue it 
um, it's wonderful to take classes, but it's possible on your own too. I think I would recommend classes to anyone that needs external motivation to keep doing it or that doesn't have really the time to do it in their own time. And so they need to have a dedicated amount of time every week in a certain context to get themselves going. I definitely think that having an education can be can be just brings you a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to get on your own. But I don't think either is the only way to go. I think it's it's very dependent on who the individual is and how how they work and how they see themselves progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's possible. Like, um, and I know a lot of people ask me if I went to art school, and when I say no, it kind of seems to give them the sort of hope because either they can't, it's not the right context for them, they can't afford it, they can't, don't have anything around them, or they just don't like the idea. And so it's nice to see that um, a lot of people are given hope by the idea that I didn't go to any kind of academic training for it. Right. And and as you said, it's not that academic training is not good. It's just that no, there are different paths to this end point yeah. where you're at. Right. And you get different things from them. I, I might be a lot further in my knowledge of anatomy if I had had a formal training, mm-hmm. um, but I might not be as far into my own style, for example. I think it just, it's a patchwork of different experiences. Yeah. And I think like when you talk about anatomy, I was watching some of your recent videos where, and mm-hmm. and we'll link to your YouTube channel, which people have to watch. Um, <laughs> so I, I was looking at some, and, and where you're taking pictures of yourself with your hands in different mm-hmm. positions, uh, because you were working on a specific piece. And I was like, well, of course you're going to do that. I don't do a lot of anatomy work. So I was thinking, well, that's, of course you would <laughs> take pictures of yourself <laughs> and use that as reference images, right? And trying to get the hands just right and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And references are just so important. And a lot of people think that I work without references because my work is so surreal and uh, quite detached from r- reality. I mean, it looks like it would be difficult for me to find accurate references of the kind of things I want to draw. But I use tons and tons and tons of references. I'd say for any painting I've done, 99% of the painting is reference. It might be lots of different small references of small different details, but I use references a lot. And I've since I started using references in earnest, I used to be very scared of using them. Like I think a lot of younger artists can be because there is a sort of stigma to using them, but using them critically, like analyzing what I want to draw and how it is in the reference and how I can translate it in the drawing properly has really, really made me progress like nothing else. Being able to use references, being critical of them, analyzing what I'm drawing, understanding what my weaknesses are, what I'm not capable of drawing yet, what I am. References have just really propelled my skill level um, to the next level really fast because I learned so much just by using references. And can I ask you then on the reference bit, uh, just as a matter Mm. of detail, are you, because I know some people use Pinterest to store those kind of things. Do you store these in a way that you can find them easily in the future? Is there an app you use or... I, I store them on my computer. I'm okay. I'm um, a bit too organized. <laughs> I I have so many pictures and they all have a folder depending on what they are. And I have a massive image library on my computer. I've tried doing, using Pinterest, but I don't find it easy enough to access. Right. Plus it needs the internet. So I just, yeah, tons and tons and tons and tons of pictures on my computer. So you would have a, a folder that's hands or, or even yeah. probably more detailed than that, right? Yeah. It would be, okay. <laughs> 
I have long fingers. I have <laughs> right. hands, children hands. I have old hands. <laughs> right. But it's, nothing uh, like faces falling off because that's what you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes I do. If I find something on Pinterest that's kind of along the lines, usually if it's got, if if it's something falling off or something that's hollow, I don't use it as reference. I use it as inspiration. So I have... Okay. I have a folder I've called Inspiration Bases because I didn't really know how to call it. And it's all images that don't necessarily, aren't necessarily directly the idea that I want to recreate, but have sparked inspiration in me. I felt excited when I saw them. And so I, I store all these images that spark excitement in me in one folder. And if I have no ideas, I just browse through the folder. And for some reason, just seeing all those images allows me to kind of kickstart my brain and I start having new ideas. Um, so it's also, yeah, that, that also works. <laughs> so maybe I can ask you, like, how would you describe your work? How would you describe the kind of art that you produce? I mean, you oh, talked God. about surreal, but like, how would you describe it for someone who hasn't, the person who's listening right now, how would you describe your work to them? So I've tried to hone it <laughs> because I get that question so much. I'd say I do figurative dark surrealism. So my work isn't realistic. It's obviously quite it's highly stylized. I don't try to go hyper-realistic in any way, but it, oh, it's so hard. I have no idea. It's, yeah, dark surrealism, I'd okay. say. Yeah, I don't. And it's it's funny because a few episodes ago, I was talking about labels that people put on themselves and that kind of thing. And, and here I am trying to force you to label your art. <laughs> but I, it's understandable, I, though. I mean, we all have the instincts to categorize things and make them clearer to understand. So I understand that people would want a description of the kind of work I do. It's difficult to know sometimes because... Obviously, I don't think any artist who has a label on them is trying to fit into that label. I think we just create the work that comes to us. So sometimes some pieces we do don't fit into that label. So then we wonder if we actually do belong into that label. But dark surrealism is probably quite fair, safe, a safe description of what I do. <laughs> you talked about when you were younger, you were thinking about monsters and things like this when you were walking out and about. Is there what's inspired you down this this journey where you've captured your voice so well as an artist, what inspired um, you to get there? Like, what is it that brought you to that point? If you can describe that in any way, I don't know. It's difficult to tell because I do ask myself that quite a bit. I think it's a mix of a lot of different things. As a kid, I was I was very fantasy oriented. So I read a lot of fantasy and I was such a prolific reader that I started running out of books in the children's section and having to go to the adult section. And my dad was very he was very kind understand he is a very, a very kind understanding person he's always been incredibly supportive of me so he never stopped me from exploring the things i wanted to explore mm-hmm. and i would read a lot of graphic novels and dark fantasy books and i started wanting to draw monsters and i drew i obviously had a dragon obsessed period and i just created all these creatures for a very young age young age it was just a thing that i liked to create and then uh, my mother died when i was 9 in an accident really suddenly and I think that kind of after her after she died, my dad made me go see a psychiatrist, child psychologist. Um, and actually, I I remember she because she worked with children a lot. A standard one of the standard ways to work with children in that profession, I think, is to make them draw because obviously kids aren't that good at expressing feelings out in words. So she made me draw, and I remember thinking that oh, this is this is what I do well, I'm going to really impress her. And I drew her a big dragon. And uh, and now I wonder back, I wonder what she saw in that dragon during our sessions. But I, um, 
I started creating more and more dark creatures, I think probably as a way to work for my trauma, mm -hmm. because I didn't really, as a young kid, when you have such a strong trauma, I think you kind of repress a lot of how you feel. So I think a lot of my ways to express how I was feeling was through drawing. And I had a period of time when I was very young, where probably between nine and 12, where I drew extremely violent drawings so it was a lot of blood a lot of limbs a lot of creatures eating people and just so much dark I was a really happy kid I was not at all troubled I was good in school I had mm -hmm. friends it was all good but my art was really dark and troubled and my dad was really supportive of it he was like you know if that's what you need to draw then draw it and I think it really worked in my favor I just grew up a lot um, more stable than I think I might have been if I hadn't been able to have that way to exteriorize and express what I was feeling. Right. And then I stopped really doing my own stuff for years and years and years. When I started studying art a little bit more when I went to high school, I just did the assignment I was given rather than my personal stuff. And then when I moved to England, I started doing my own stuff again. And that's when it became surreal. It stopped being quite as violent and bloody as it was when I was a kid. And it became more surreal and ethereal and still a little bit dark but not as um, as angry. Mm -hmm. And the more I drew, the more I felt comfortable with creating things that felt symbolic to me, things that felt poetic, but slightly disturbing, because that's basically how I felt life was. Right. Um, it just To me, it just feels like life is so in, um, in, in, entangled with death. Um, and as a child, I felt that so strongly when my mother died that... I just, I've always felt a need to explore that aspect of life and how deeply I felt it being that way, if that makes any sense. Thank you for sharing that. Because I, I think that we need to, I think it's helpful to understand where we come from. Mm. And uh, I also lost my mom when I was, uh, so I was 17 and she died from oh. cancer. And um, it just, I mean, it still bothers me. I, I'm, my wife knows that it it's, it weighs heavily on me always. And yeah. I remember when she died, I didn't, um, I had stopped drawing um, a few years before that, but I started writing poetry mm. and it was not nice poetry. Yeah. <laughs> it no, was, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. yeah. It was very dark. It was very depressing. Uh, I think I wrote it for about two years and that was my therapy. I didn't. Um, yeah, exactly. I, and so I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, Thanks for sharing it. That's really, that's, I, I, thank you. I, we're better people and we're here and we're creating. And I, I think that um, this is what art and expression and being creative is about. You don't have yeah. to go through this, but to be no. able to to work with your emotions, with, with your hands, whether it's writing or creating, I think is uh, is positive. And I think we need to have kids more do more of that as an outlet and not look like, oh my, you know, Johnny or Jane is drawing these horrible images. You know, there's something wrong with them yes. as opposed to, uh, um, you know, looking at it maybe a bit differently and that there's Absolutely. an opportunity here. Yeah. And there's, it's just, I don't know, there is something, there's something taboo about pain. And, um, and I find that a lot of people find it more comfortable to be able to express it without having to say that they're in pain necessarily sometimes. Um, and I've had some people get in touch with me going, I've started creating work like yours because it's inspired me, because I've realized that it helped me 
work through things that I didn't realize I was going through. And I always find that that's one of the most amazing compliments because that's what my work is. It's not dark because I want to shock. It's not dark because I want a reaction out of people. It's not dark because I'm troubled. It's just, it, it's a release for some reason. It's kind of, it's a personal freedom that I'm able to express. And it's, it's deeply important to me as a human being and how I want to evolve and how I want to grow. And I, I, I hope that other people out there can see that that's what that kind of art can also be rather than something that's worrying and and um and scary really right and maybe for the person who's listening right now who's struggling somehow in life uh, had a bad day bad week mm. maybe they should pick up a pen uh, a pencil yeah. a brush and just do something just put something down on paper it may be that rather than waiting for that perfect time maybe that's right now yes i think some sometimes if someone's going through something it's um pain or whatever reason it doesn't need to be the loss of a it doesn't need to be grief it doesn't need to right. be something so life-altering it, it can just be something you're going through that day something you're going through that week something completely different it doesn't really matter anything that kind of creates turmoil we can get lost in we can lose who we are in that kind of in that kind in that sort of pain and 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 troubled troubles of the mind mm -hmm. and i find that art is something that can reel, reel us back in it can make us remember that we we are someone that we have we have things around us that are ours that we are we are valid that we are able to create things that we are able to make things out of what we are feeling we're not just in a void that is sucking everything out of out of life for us we can we're still capable of of creating and making and producing beautiful things whatever they are really absolutely and i i didn't intend us to go down this path but i'm glad we did because <laughs> these are the conversations people need to hear and people need to have. And so I'm, I, this is good. I think um, <laughs> this is positive. Now we'll, maybe we'll shift gears <laughs> a little bit and move into kind of understanding. I, I want to, I don't know how to approach this first. Maybe we'll talk about what mediums do you use as, as a matter of, do you focus on ink? Do you do digital? Do you do pencil? Like, what do you tend to work with? And obviously we're going to talk about gouache as well. But is there something that, because it seems like a lot of your work is obviously gouache and ink. Would that be accurate? Um, so I work with pencil a lot, obviously, because I sketch tons and tons. Yes. Um, but as far as my trade tools, let's say, for my finished pieces, watercolor and gouache. The so watercolor was the first thing I ever tried because my um, stepmother was a is a watercolorist really really good so i would instead of you know taking her makeup or her clothes i would take her paints <laughs> um, and she taught me a lot and uh so that's always been my tool of predilection for a very long time and then i discovered gouache probably three years ago and picked it up and immediately loved it uh immediately immediately loved it so i've been kind of integrating it with my watercolor work and just mixing both mediums together because I think they go really well together technically and visually, but I think personally. And so these are the two I use the most. And then um, I discovered Inktober probably four years ago, tried to give it a go a couple of years in a row and failed miserably, but really enjoyed it and I had never worked with ink before. So those two years were kind of a trial run for the third year, which was 2017, where I started working with ink properly for Inktober. 
and really loved it. It's not a medium that I want to work with extensively outside of Inktober. Um, I do occasionally do like occasional sketching ink, but I love colour. Colour is just something I want to use. Like that's where I feel I'm creating the work I want to create is with colour. So as much as I love ink, I do prefer watercolour and gouache. Um, okay. But Inktober is a nice refresher every every year. It's a nice breath of fresh air. I think it's important to mix it up every so often to keep things fresh and entertaining. I agree, and I think that um, this I, I like I like ink because it's it's not it's it's painful. It's not forgiving. Oh goodness, yes. <laughs> Especially if you choose not to do a pencil sketch in advance. Um, oh goodness. <laughs> So I've been doing a lot of that lately. I don't know why, but I think it's fun to uh, to then look at my mistakes and then throw some water on or watercolor on top of it. So um, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I, I I completely am behind. I I'm in awe of anyone who manages to work straight in ink. I haven't worked out the courage quite yet, uh, but I hope I will someday because it's really good to to. Force yourself to acknowledge the mistakes you're making instead of being able to erase them. I think it's it's a very good way to grow both technically as an artist in skill and technical and technical knowledge, but also mentally. It kind of shows you that mistakes aren't the end of the world because they can really build up in our mind. Like we can really feel like if we make a mistake, it's the end of the world. But then we do we make one and we realize that nothing has fallen on our heads and everything's right. okay. So. <laughs> On that point, do you do anything in digital? I don't. I don't. No. Where mistakes can where mistakes can be completely undone. You just <laughs> yeah. tap on the screen and it never happened. I love digital. Um, it just doesn't. I don't love it as much as I. I don't love it as much as traditional. Personally, it doesn't bring mm-hmm. me as much excitement. I. I. I admire a lot of digital artists, and I recently got a proper digital drawing tablet i also have an ipad and i've been trying to draw on them but i get bored <laughs> really quickly <laughs> um it doesn't hold as much interest for me but that's completely personal and it might also be that it's not my comfort zone so i'm scared of it <laughs> <laughs> i would like to explore it in the future but we'll see i yeah. say that a lot of things <laughs> well that's good i mean i think that's part of being an artist is trying things yeah. and then backing away and coming back and so can i ask you like is there uh, my last guest i had asked her as well like is there a routine that you have is there you know similar to making tea where there's a ritual around it do you do you go somewhere as a matter of a ritual when you want to create um do you do you go for a walk first and then come back or like do you have a routine I around that? Should. To be honest, I don't. I have had that question before and it really stumped me because I don't think I do have a ritual. There, there's nothing other than I have a table easel, which is, I don't know if you are familiar with them, but it's a, it's a small foldable easel that I can put on my desk and then I can prop stuff up so it like stands almost vertical in front of me okay. and i got it after october 2017 because i injured myself from drawing hunched on my table oh so i got that for my back and shoulders and and the the act of putting on my table tends to signal a drawing session okay. is happening <laughs> to my brain but other than that not really okay. i i i yeah sorry i don't have any rituals Th- that's having no rituals is still having a ritual <laughs> so. do you there? I um that's uh, geez I've never had the question turned on to me so <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's okay <laughs> so if I write um so I'm maybe doing NaNoWriMo this year so I'm working on a novel I will light a candle 
I will listen to a certain type of music when I write. When I, it's it's hard because the last recently when I've been drawing, I've been doing it outside, mm-hmm. and it's you can't have a routine around that uh, or a ritual because you have people coming up to you and talking to you about what you're doing. <laughs> what do you you know? Oh, that's neat. Can you explain more about that? Yeah, that that's hard. I, I I built myself a little outdoor easel that I can put on a tripod and. I used it for the first time last weekend, and I feel like, once again, opening it up, laying out my paints, it felt like I'm here. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. It begins. Yeah. It's harder. I do a lot of work on the iPad, and for that, mm-hmm. it's like flip open, pull off the pencil, and away you go. And so yeah. I feel like it's not, I don't know. I, I really love drawing on the iPad, and I'm going to do way more of it. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, if, I need a, if I need a certain type of meditative process, I would rather draw with pencil yeah. or pen or yeah. color watercolor yeah so i'm the same i've tried drawing on the ipad but i think i, I really like drawing on the ipad if i'm going to draw digitally just because it's so much easier to whip it out it's a lot more similar to a sketchbook than sitting in front of my computer <laughs> but there's a lot of distraction on the ipad <laughs> and i do tend to kind of find it difficult to be focused on the app i'm using as much as if i just have a sketchbook in front of me um so what I do do is I turn on Do Not Disturb on my iPad and my phone when I'm on the iPad, so Good that idea. I don't have notifications popping down and things like that. So, but just lately I've been doing so much more work with, uh, you know, with ink and with watercolor and things like mm-hmm. that. So, so I I, I want to get to Inktober because, sure. uh, but I, before we get there, I want to talk about. Well, maybe the first thing I want to go into gouache a little bit, mm-hmm. but I found it so interesting following your Instagram that you had an exhibit in a really cool location. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Like That was just, I was blown away by your stories. And it was, so can you maybe share with the listener, like what, what was that about? Sure. Well, this year I decided that one of my art goals was to have a gallery show, not a solo one. I'm not ready for that, but at least participate in group gallery shows. So I started applying to any kind of show that seemed to fit my type of work in London, where I live. And one of the shows that I applied recently was created by a collective called FUBAR, which, and I hope this is okay to say on the podcast, um, it are the initials for f- up beyond all recognition, to which I uh, felt that my work probably fitted fairly well. <laughs> so <laughs> I submitted a few and they got back to me almost immediately going, yes, you fit in perfectly. And our work is going to be exhibited in um, the, I don't remember the name of the St. Pancras Church Crypt, I think it was, which is really central in London. It's this massive church and they've got under an underground tunnel kind of bit. Like catacombs? It's a, yeah, it's, okay. it's 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 a crypt rather than a catacomb. I think okay. it's um it it does have it does have the occasional um um not coffin. Uh, how do you call it when it's like several people buried in the same? Is it um a vault? I don't know. Maybe it's I... it, it's got plaques on the walls with the names of okay. like people who are buried there and stuff. Um, but other than that, it's just a small. A small uh, network of small tunnels and um, and archways, uh, very low ceilinged, very uh, with a dirt, uneven dirt brick floor, um, and no natural lighting at all. And it was it was it was amazing. Like all the people who were exhibited there had very fairly dark, quite uh, weird art, and um, it, it 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 was 
it was such an amazing con- con- context. It was such a brilliant, a brilliant place to have an exhibition. I didn't realize that it was a place that was available for hire. The the collective found it by, I think, acquaintances. But it, it happens that you can actually hire that crypt for events, uh, which wow. is which is just. <laughs> brilliant the entrance of it is incredible it's this it's a tiny crypt like it really isn't that big but the outside the entrance to it is this enormous entryway with beautiful steel doors and enormous statues above it holding the arch up it's absolutely incredible the entrance makes you feel like you're going into a king's vault and it's brilliant and then inside it's this really dark little crypt it was it was fantastic i was really excited <laughs> i'll have to see if i can find some links to this because uh it when you were posting that i was thinking that this is like my immediate thought because i've been following you for a while is your work has found a home. Like this is exactly yeah. where your work should be. You're not going to find sunflowers in a field. <laughs> like it's really much. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. You can absolutely find links. I'll send you links if you want, because there's a virtual 3D tour that you can take. Oh wow. Okay. Um. So if you if you want anyone to see that, I can send you the link for the show notes. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be fun. So moving from that to gouache. It is something that I have a few tubes of it here. I haven't played with it yet, but maybe I'll leave it to you to explain gouache and gouache versus watercolor and maybe how you work with it. Oh, uh, that's a big topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, gouache is basically, it's a water-soluble medium like watercolor. It's reactivated. I mean, it's types of gouache that are more like acrylic that can't be reactivated once dry. But traditional gouache is water-soluble and is can be reactivated with water once it's dry. So it's all it's not infinitely workable, but it's reworkable and reactivatable and just like watercolor is. It's a lot more opaque than watercolor. It has much higher pigment to binder concentration in the in the paint itself. So um, it's a lot more vibrant, a lot more concentrated than watercolor. So you can work um, light on dark, which is not something that you can do with watercolor. And uh, it, it's gouache used to be used a lot by graphic designers because it dries matte, so it can be scanned really easily, and it doesn't reflect the light. Um, uh, it, it's not really been popular as a fine art medium it's a lot more popular as a study medium or an outdoor painting medium because it dries fast it's easily portable mm-hmm. and it's just really easy to use there's no solvents there's nothing like that you can just use water so it's very it's a very convenient medium to use and it's been used a lot for like quick on on the go works and stuff like that but recently it started to gain more prominence as they finished illustration medium literally a fine art medium for bigger paintings and bigger works um and i think that's fantastic because it's it's such an amazing medium and it's not very well known yet it's definitely gaining more prominence but it's still not up there like acrylic or as well known as watercolor or stuff like that so it's i i use it in combination with watercolor because i like I'm less scared of watercolor because i've been using it for so much longer and it's easier to use very subtly in washes in very very in very light glazes of colors you can use gouache like like watercolor very washed down but it doesn't perform quite as nicely it works just perfectly when it's layered really thickly and um, i find that having the look of really thin watercolor really subtle colors next to the look of the bolder look of gouache is really nice in my opinion yeah and i think that's what's 
compelled me a little bit to trying this, I mean, in the near future, is mm-hmm. um, the ability to drop in, and rather than going always light to dark, uh, being able to drop light on top of dark, right? So yeah. I actually, in my little palette I built, I have a... Uh, um, a pan of white gouache. Um, yes, so I used I, to have that too. Yeah. yeah, I'm 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 eyeing it. I haven't used it yet, <laughs> but <laughs> I keep eyeing it, thinking I'm going to have to um, try this at some point. And uh, so, so you're quite comfortable in using watercolor and then coming in later with gouache. Yeah, to get that opaque look. I'm getting more comfortable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How I like to use them. I when I first started gouache painting, I would use gouache only gouache on its own, just to get more comfortable with the medium. And now that I've more experimented a bit more with both watercolor and gouache, I know exactly what I like about both mediums. So and how they work best. And so I try to combine the best qualities of both in what I do. Now, is the, can you talk a little bit maybe about the gouache itself and the watercolor? Um, are there favorite types that you like? Because, you know, in watercolor, you can get some that are specifically watercolor. You can get some that are bound with honey. Is there a, a kind that you favor? Um, not really. Okay. I never had enough money to be able to try out different brands. So most of what I have is what I've been able to afford, which isn't very much. Okay. I'd say that I lately was sent by one of my really wonderful patrons, I was sent a set of Daniel Smith watercolors and they're amazing. I'll be honest, they're probably my favorite so far. Daniel Smith and Da Vinci watercolors are brands I've never used before I was sent. I, I was sent them recently and they are my favorite at the moment. And gouache wise, probably Graham Co. Is that how it's called? I don't remember. Okay. Graham something um those are really good i started off with winsor and newton though and i would highly recommend them because the winsor newton ones i had were brilliant and they i ran out of them now because i used them so much but i thought they were really really great too especially as a starter kit they were really good quality but i haven't been able to experiment enough with different brands to be adamant about a favorite <laughs> maybe we'll see at some <laughs> point i mean it's good to, it's good that, to experiment right and so when it comes to the paper side of it mm. is do you have a favorite paper to work with um arches i'm afraid no, no, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that it's just expensive i think it is nice. i got my first arches uh, cold press mm. um, and i opened it up and i felt the paper and i just i, I rubbed it for probably one or two minutes because it just felt so nice yeah. i'm thinking yeah there's exactly. so much potential in this holding so much water. Um, yes. And, and it's very workable. Like you can really, like some papers, if you work them a bit too much, the surface starts breaking down. Mm-hmm. Whereas arches, I haven't really had that problem really. I can go in quite a lot and the surface just stays, keeps its integrity, which is really important. Now, do you do cold or hot press? Is there- I have a preference for cold press. I used to think I'd prefer hot press because... Um, it's not difficult to scan and it just seems like it would look better as an illustration. But I find that gouache works much, much better on cold press, in my opinion. It just grabs onto the paper a lot nicer. It's a lot easier to get an even color because on on, on uh, smooth hot press paper, it, the paint kind of slides around a bit more. So it can, it can be more frustrating to try and paint evenly on there. Mm-hmm. So I find that cold press is... Once I got used to it, it was really something that I, I do genuinely prefer at the moment. The person listening who 
I, I think you explained it well, but really, I mean, the big difference between hot and cold press really is, is the cold press has a lot more texture, a lot more tooth to it, right? You, you described that well. I think that's the maybe the disadvantage with the hot is it does have that smooth surface that just, you can just throw the paint around and it doesn't hold it as well maybe as the cold press. But Yes, it's it's got different challenges, obviously. Like I understand what people would prefer, smooth paper, like hot press paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I started liking textured paper, cold press paper. Once I started getting more comfortable with painting, because I realized the potential of it. Whereas I think as a newer artist, I found the texture of it quite off-putting. But uh, it's it's just a matter of preference, really. That's why both exist. <laughs> right, exactly. So going from there, let's talk Inktober. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was created by Jake Parker, I don't know how many years ago. and God, a while ago. <laughs> and yeah, he's been doing it for years and years and years. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I keep finding so much history here and everything that he's done. <laughs> And, you know, for the, for the person listening who doesn't know, the, the whole point in this is that you have the month of October using ink, hence the name Inktober. Uh, he issues a series of prompts, which is a single word kind of per day. And the intent is you draw or ink something. And so he's an illustrator, so he's focused kind of on the ink component of that. But the whole mm-hmm. point is you draw something new each day based on those prompts. And you can or mm-hmm. you don't have to use the prompts, but they're there to help you move along. When did So you said earlier that you had started a couple of times, and then was yeah. it 17 was your first? 17 was the first one I finished, because 17 was the first time I had an entire month to work on on each drawing so before that i was i had another job and i wasn't able to fit the drawings while i was working and it was really difficult for me to draw and i was not as technically skilled as i am now so drawing took me a lot longer to do i didn't have very much very many ideas at the time so for a couple of years i tried and probably got about halfway through the challenge every year and just didn't really manage to finish but i I, once i discovered the challenge and tried it out i decided that i would one day not very good at giving up (laughs) sometimes I get a bit too stubborn and I decided that I would one day finish the challenge and uh, in 2017 was the first year I started toying with the idea of being a full-time artist and quitting the job I had before that and uh, and so I decided that I'd try it was the first year I had Instagram too I think okay or maybe the second year I had Instagram I decided it would be a really good thing to try and do it every single day because I wanted to get into the habit of drawing more because I wanted to try doing it as a job. And so I managed to finish it in 2017 and it exploded. <laughs> it was it just, I don't, I don't know what happened. Um, the video I posted at the time, I, I had like 2,000 views per video, 3,000 views. And that one got 300,000 views in like a week. Oh my. Um, <laughs> I was one like, of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was, I was terrified because my theme was mental illness and it's such a delicate thing to, to tackle. It's such a del- delicate, personal, intimate theme that so many people have very personal opinions about. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of scared going into it, but it was important to me. It was it was something that I wanted to express. I'd started seeing my tendency to stark surrealism kind of come through my work, but not not very defined yet. And so I wanted to explore it further. And so I started creating much darker work for that particular series. And that was really the start of me creating dark surrealist work because the response to it was incredible. People were just so, so, so amazing about it. And 
I had no trouble coming up with ideas every day. It was, it flowed so well. Every day I had an idea. And I, in fact, I had, I wrote down the ideas I had every day and I ended up with about 50 ideas by the end of the month that I had not even explored. Oh and it just, something clicked, uh, something really, really clicked. So Inktober really, 2017 really kickstarted both my personal art journey in the sense that I really started discovering what I personally really loved creating and also my career because I realized that I could actually live off of this. I did so well doing that in October that um, it gave me a bit of extra money that I could then put back into trying to make this happen full time, which was amazing. I noticed on your site, which will I'll provide links to, like you can see some of this work, you can buy some of that work that you mm. did as part of Inktober, right? Yeah. And that's my question for you. Like I found it challenging with a few of the words from last year. I think I missed two or three days and then I had to make up for it. And mm. I found that quite stressful. I, and I was oh, going to yeah. ask you if that happens to you. Oh, goodness, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Oh, wow. It's it's really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I love Inktober, but it stresses me the hell out. It's so harrowing. It's the busiest time of the year, and I am stressed twenty four seven during it. I, I won't lie. It's um, it's very intense, and I don't use the. I I'm thinking of using the prompts this year because I'm so I'm more comfortable with my own style. I'm more comfortable with my kind of my ideas and my aesthetics and the kind of concepts I like to draw. So I want to try and challenge myself to find ideas in my line of work that fit with each prompt. But in previous years, prompts personally hindered me. I never really followed them because they stressed me out. Trying to find something that fit within the prompt was actually a bigger stress than it was um, a, a help. Mm -hmm. So um, I never, and I didn't follow them in 2017. I didn't follow them in 2018. I might follow them this year. I'm not entirely sure yet. But I can definitely, yeah, I, I definitely think that's, especially if you find a word that, just isn't inspiring you feel kind of a bit compelled to still try and find a drawing that would fit it and it adds extra pressure on top of a challenge that is that is really quite difficult so there's a reason it's a challenge you know it's there's a reason jake put such a big kind of institution around it for himself because he needed he needed the pressure and he needed the structure because it's very difficult to draw every day and it's difficult to have ideas every day and it's difficult to push yourself out of your comfort zone every day um so it's very stressful and last year i didn't actually manage to draw every single day especially because of the last couple of years i do big drawings and it takes me a while to put them together and so I extended the challenge into November and tried to get all 31 drawings done but tried to forgive myself for not actually doing them during the month because ultimately if you manage to do 31 drawings in two months rather than one month because that fitted your life better and wasn't as mentally challenging and taxing as doing it all in one month you still are richer 31 drawings you right. know it's 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 still you've still built a habit of trying to sit down and draw something you've still built a the mental strength to keep going you still you know exercise those those mental muscles and i think it's always going to be a beneficial exercise but um it's yeah it's a lot of pressure for, for most people i think it can make social media can really make it look easy it can make it look like it was a breeze but i'll be fully honest, it never is for me. <laughs> it always is a massive challenge. And I think that's the other uh, bit with this is that the the understanding is that as you do these, you post them on social media. Yeah. Um. So that's the the part that's uh, 
that can be quite uh, challenging and as, as an artist is taking something that you're not going to spend a lot of time on. You may spend an mm. hour or two hours, whatever the case, yeah. maybe three, and then you're posting it. Yes. And I think that's part of one thing that seems to stress a lot of people out. And I usually say, if it's stressing you out that you have to post it on social media, then don't do it. Because Jake did it to keep himself accountable. He didn't do it because he wanted to show the world that he was doing it. He did it because, from what I understand, obviously I don't know him, so, but um, from what I understand, he did it because he wanted to keep himself accountable and having to post a drawing every day was a good way for him to keep the pressure on for himself and to force him to do it every day. Uh, it's We need to keep in mind that it's a personal growth challenge. It's not there primarily to give you exposure it's not there to give you more followers or or anything it's not about the the world around you it's about you as an artist and your growth and the things that you challenge yourself to do and so social media can be a hindrance for a lot of people from what i've seen and the kind of comments i've gotten a lot of people do say that the idea of posting it is daunting because they feel like it's not good work or and the thing is it, it's not about it being good work it's about creating habits. It's about creating a good mental space. It's about creating um, just a, a good artist process. It's about discovering how you work, how you, how you, where you want to go, where you want to evolve, and just learning more about yourself and as an artist and as a person. So, you know, if people find that it's too much of a challenge to have to post on you on social media, you don't have to. It doesn't really matter. It's a personal challenge. Right. I agree. I think, uh, and it is a challenge. <laughs> it was a yeah, challenge for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so can I ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is there <laughs> one or two from last year, one or two images that last from last year that have that, that stick in your mind that you're quite proud of or that were really challenging, but you're able to turn the corner on it? Is there like, is there one or two that really come to mind for you? Yes. So um, I'm trying to pull them up because I, I never remember the number they are. And, and I can, if we can, I'll provide links to them as well. So Sure, yeah. So day four last year was um, one that I personally love because it came to me really clearly. And ideas rarely do. Often I have to composite them. I have to start drawing and then I get more details and then I tweak things. And Whereas the concept for day four and day five, actually, day four and five are my personal favorite of last year. Um, they weren't actually favorites of many other people um i still have them they didn't really sell or anything but i'm actually quite happy because i i personally really love them they expressed something that felt spot on when i drew them and they both came to me fully formed which is rare mm. they both came to me completely finished in my head and i just had to draw them and uh, and i find that always quite precious as a moment when an idea comes to you and you're already satisfied with how it is and you just keep it that way and it still feels right can you describe them in a way yeah so number four is um so my 2018 series of drawings were done in red ink and black ink only so number four is just a drawing of a standing man or character i don't tend to really have genders but my my character is standing and holding a hoop in front of him the kind of hoop that a, a lime tamer would use in the circus and um, there is a hole through the character's body and the lion is jumping through the character's body and through the hoop that the character is holding. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I remember, um, I remember that now. I don't see it on my screen, but I, I remember that. 
That's amazing. Thank you. It's uh, I, I think just b- before you continue, I think that's the thing with this too is that you're inspiring others, right? Like if if you are, are on Instagram and you're following those hashtags, seeing other mm. people's interpretation of these, if you're using the same prompts. It's yeah, so compelling, right? It is. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed to no end how creative people are. I genuinely, it brings me so much joy to see how each person's mind just comes up with a different idea. I find that absolutely incredible. It is, it's just, it's just amazing. Everyone's so unique and everyone has their own, their own ideas, their own interpretation. Even if ideas might be slightly similar, they'll still have a personal twist. It's just fantastic. And I think when I look at some of the ones I did, I don't remember mm. doing them. And I don't know if that's weird. No, I get that. Do you? Okay. Because I, yeah. I look at them and I'm thinking, wow, I, I, I think I remember in general terms, but I, I, I don't know if that's, does that? No, I get that. Okay. It's a bit like automatic drawing sometimes. I kind of do it and then get out of it and I'm not quite like, I don't know if it, it was probably a different headspace maybe and you kind of emerge from it and you don't quite remember what was going on when you were doing them. I don't know. I get that, I think. <laughs> when I compare that to the watercolor work I've been doing, when I look at that, I remember everything. And so I don't know if there's a difference. And, you know, I did Inktober on my iPad last year, and maybe that's a little bit part of it, but maybe because the the mix of colors, maybe the texture, yeah, um, it's more memorable. Painting is also more of a process, I think. Right. There, there is more... You have to think it out a bit more, I think, ahead of time. Definitely have to choose colors. You have to know where you apply them. You have, there's more steps to it, I think. I don't right. know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think you're constructing a much larger. Yeah, it's a bigger project, I yeah. think. Yeah. Paint and, something. And so when you're doing Inktober, are you going to do it this year? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering for a while because it's, as we were saying, it's such a challenge and I'm genuinely exhausted every time I do it. It's nonstop. Because I also upload, well, I've uploaded in the past two vi- two YouTube videos a week, and wow. then at the end I also publish a booklet which needs to be edited and ordered, pre-orders put up, and then I send everything. So Inktober for me is not one month; it's usually up until Christmas because I just do so much around it too. So it's a lot, a lot of work, and it's exhausting, but it's just exciting. I I love being an artist can be quite lonely. I, I work from home and I don't have many artist friends, hardly any in real life. I have a lot of people on the internet, but not many that I actually know face to face. So I'm very happy working on my own. It works for me. But I do recognize that it's also quite lonely. So there is something energizing about being part of an event like Inktober where everyone's in it together. I, I find it very uh, different from the rest of the work I do during the year and uh, and just energizing yeah I, I'm, I'm with happy i've done it so i want to do it again this year are you uh, are you going to use jake's prompts do you think this time yes i probably think so I've, I've started writing them up and trying to find ideas for each of them and i'm quite excited actually to use jake's prompts this year because i usually would come up with my own theme because it was less stressful for me to do that in previous years this year it's the reverse i'm actually quite stressed about finding my own theme so i think i'm gonna go for jake's prompts just to i don't know um, change it up a little and make it make it fun, make it a bit different. I, I don't know if you have them in front of you, but I'm wondering if you, in looking at the list, is there, because last year I, I had a problem with swollen last year. Um, mm. I, 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 no, I get it. <laughs> I finally, I, I solved it. 
And it ended up being, I think, one of the works I spent the most time on. Were you happy with it? I I was. I was, uh, when I was saying, when I look back at the work and I think, is that is that me that did that? I think of Swollen, because my whole concept with Swollen is that a snake goes into a tree trunk to eat uh, a mouse and can't get out because he's too swollen now because he's got this mouse. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I ended up drawing these kind of, caricatures of of you know a snake and and mice and i've never done that before so for me it's all i'm coming from realism right and yeah. so for me that was a big point for me and that's why i've i, I love inktober it, it challenged me in a way that i haven't been challenged before yeah i get that yeah. so you know in looking at this year is there anything is there one of the words that give you pause that you think i don't i'm not sure yet um, yes. Husky. <laughs> no idea. I think anything um, in the list that will trigger a very specific thing in my head that I can see. Like a husky, I see the dog. Mm-hmm. And so I find it very difficult to get... An, I mean, a husky is not really the kind of thing I'm interested in drawing. So I have to find a way, maybe an alternate meaning for it. There is one to kind of work around. Enchanted is also a little bit um, weird for me. You probably have number 12 sorted out though, right? Dragon. Well, you know what? That one was one that I was a bit worried about because again, it's so descriptive. It's so precise. The, 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 uh, The image it will conjure is of a specific creature that most people, um, know and recognize as a specific thing. And so a dragon's, aren't really something that I draw anymore. So I still want the list to be cohesive, the drawings I do to be cohesive to what I generally do. And so I'm going to have to find a way to interpret dragon. See, when I when I saw Husky, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have a dog, my first thought was a lumberjack that maybe has <laughs> too much hair on his arms and around his neck. And <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So that was my first thought. Um, you gonna draw that? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm. I. I don't know. Now that I've said it publicly, maybe I have to. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that so uh, much. I think. Uh, That's so, amazing. I've never thought of that, and I love that your mind thought of that. <laughs> I think some of these are really, um, like even build, which is uh, day five. Build is. Build. You know, it. I. I love some of these words because, as you say, some of them are challenging because they are so. Like explicit mm. coat, for example. Oh goodness, yeah. Um, you know, you, you immediately think the garment, but it could be a coat of paint, right? Um, mm. And that's what I think is fun about this: is you take that word like coat or uh, ripe. Uh, ripe's going to be fun, I think. Yeah, um, dizzy. It's going to be cool, I think. Too. Yes, dizzy. <laughs> um, treasure, treasure again, right? Is w- what is treasure? Is treasure a young? Um, deer in the woods right mm, yeah. or is it yeah. or is it a chest on the uh, on a beach somewhere right yeah exactly um tread i'm not sure w- what do you think of when you think of tread i'm not sure what it means if i'm honest well i think I, look it up. I, I would think when i see tread i think of a tread uh like a tire tread yeah that's what i had in my head i was entirely sure if i was understand- understanding the word properly i had sometimes some words i realized I don't know the meaning of because <laughs> it makes me remember I'm not English. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I do. I actually, I have a Google calendar that I create just for Inktober. I did this mm-hmm. last year. And then I put the word for each day in my calendar um, yeah. so that as I'm looking forward, I can think, 
oh no, Ash is coming, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, which is, dread. which is day 13. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't have an idea for that. And that's what happened last year is I, I you know, there was scorched and swollen. Um, yeah. and I was like, oh no, it's coming. I think that's fun. Uh, what about dark? What would you? Th- oh, dark is one of those that's so open. Right. That the challenge won't be coming up with an idea. The challenge will be for me to choose one. <laughs> right. So I think quite a few of them, like dark and um, pattern, um, bait and mindless. I mean, mindless. Come on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, like, that has Miriam real, written all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it was guess what I'm going to be drawing for that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're just, they're so big and open. That for me, the challenge is going to be choosing the idea because one of the problems I have, which is a very privileged problem, I will admit, is that I do get tons of ideas. And so I get an idea I'm excited about, I write it down, and then I get another idea and I'm more excited about that one. So I never revisit the one before. So for me, the challenge is to kind of stay focused and actually choose a concept and actually stick with it for long enough that I can actually finish it. So it's, um, but that's what's good about Victorbo too is that you've got such a limited amount of time to actually settle on an idea that for me, it helps me focus. It's one of the challenges for me with Victorbo is settling on an idea before yep. the day's over. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I do think admit, weird problem to have. <laughs> One of the advantages I, I think I had, once again, it's privilege maybe, in using the iPad last year is a couple of them I did white on on, on black. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of fun. And Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't remember what day it was, but I did a snapping turtle um, kind of suspended in water, but I did it white on black, nice. uh, sneaking up onto a fish, and the, the eyes were red. So I had more than one color, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think when I, when I look at dark, I'm thinking – it's a no-brainer. Like it's going to be a dark screen, uh, and then we'll see what goes from there. But uh, yeah, I think that absolutely. once again, maybe it is privilege in being able to do that. Do you do all of yours uh, on white paper? I do. Yeah, okay. I do have a tendency to color all my backgrounds black at the moment for some reason. I'm I have um, lots of black ink that I just used to draw on the background but i uh i yeah i have a lot of black paper but i don't tend to use it very much just back to your point about having all the, these ideas and it's going to wander off of inktober yeah. i mean maybe this applies when you're out and about in london doing whatever do you carry a sketchbook with you i do yeah i always have a sketchbook with me i usually have a couple pencils and an eraser and a small sketchbook okay always yeah i don't always draw in it like I think people think I draw more than I do. <laughs> right. I uh, I find drawing very difficult. It's, uh, it's it's I have quite a lot of anxiety, and um, drawing is an anxious process. It's not really something that is calming to me. It's also something I need to do. It's I, I, sorry, I'm I'm going on a tangent a bit, but it, I'm with you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask me if art is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And um, it isn't, I wouldn't describe it as what makes me happy. It doesn't make me unhappy, but it doesn't make me, I don't make it because it makes me happy. I do it because I have to. It's a compulsion. I cannot imagine not making art. So for me, drawing is a difficult process because I want to do it. And there's a compulsion in me that pushes me to do it. But it doesn't mean that the process of doing it isn't challenging. And so I carry a sketchbook with me most of the time. But often I find it difficult to do anything in it. So can I ask you an odd question then? 
Absolutely. <laughs> Go for it. If you were to sit down at the end of a day, let's say it's six o'clock and I don't know what you drink, but you you have what brings you joy as a matter of a drink, whether it's a tea or an alcoholic beverage, whatever the case, mm-hmm. and you look back on your day and you think, today was a good day. I really enjoyed today. What would that day look like? It would be a day where I managed to paint and draw and where I found the time to go outside and spend some time in nature. That would be a good day for me. Awesome. Because I need to draw and I need to paint and it feels productive and it feels like it feels completing to me. I feel like I was it was a good way to spend my time. It feels worth it and worthwhile. But it's so draining that being able being in nature is the one thing that brings me pure joy. And so having the two in one day would be the perfect combination. That's great. I <laughs> I can empathize. I live in the country and I love, uh, you know, we moved out here for that very purpose, you know, being able to walk outside and for it to be relatively quiet. We have a pond out back where, <gasps> where uh, ducks nest and uh, we, we raise uh, butterflies as well. And so. Oh my God. It's uh it's a lot of fun. I mean, you'll you'll see that if you know. I'm looking at my Instagram. A lot of my art is inspired by I am now. nature. <laughs> so my daughter I turned. To see uh, if I followed you, and I realized I don't follow you. Sorry. That's okay. My daughter <laughs> turned 16 last year, so I drew her a graphite drawing of two monarchs that she had raised from uh, from eggs, and um, oh, wow. so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful yeah, to be. Yeah, uh, that is amazing. <laughs> that is a really really cool drawing. Thank you. So. I think that that's really good. I, I'm uh, I, I'm so happy that you're able to uh, find a way to keep producing what you're doing because it's so unique, uh, so surreal, and uh, it's. I mean, I really enjoy it. I can't do what you do, but I think in watching you do it and the and the stuff you've done with October, I think it motivates motivates me, inspires me, and I think it will do so for the people or the you know the person listening as well. Thank you. That means a lot. That really does. So I, I wanted to talk, I usually ask people about homework. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking from that perspective, from, from your standpoint in looking at homework, what would you give to the person listening to be able to say, this is what you should try? Um, I'll, I'll leave it right like that. What do you think their homework should be? I think it's very dependent on your individual goals. It's dependent on what you want to see yourself doing. So if the goal is to just be more creatively active, actually, for anyone, I think Inktober is a really great challenge, to be honest, to say on topic, um, not necessarily in ink or not necessarily Inktober, but challenging yourself to make art a habit. It doesn't have to be every day. It can be every couple of days. It can be every week. But if it's something that brings you joy, if it's something that you feel, like I said for myself earlier, compelled to do, but I find it difficult to set yourself to doing it, I think that um, making sure that you make a little bit of time regularly in your life to create is really important because not only will it allow you to um, grow and progress as far as skill and technical knowledge and just 
artistic proficiency it will also make you proud of yourself and i think the the, the mental state in state in which we are is really important if we want to be more creatively active because it's important to forgive ourselves if we don't manage to be as creative as we want to but also be able to be critical of ourselves and understand when we need to be a bit firmer with ourselves and push ourselves towards the goals that we have so inktober is really good for that it builds a habit drawing a little bit every day it doesn't have to be good it doesn't have to be amazing you don't have to feel like you went anywhere just a simple action of showing up and doing it um is is really important to make yourself proud of yourself and to build up knowledge and skill so i think just being kind to yourself but also understanding when you need to be firm with yourself is um important and good for any kind of practice and specifically creative practice really that's awesome <laughs> i didn't know if that was about you i rambled again <laughs> no I, <laughs> that's absolutely uh, i think there is I, I agree there's tremendous value in inktober and i think that i think everyone should do it and even if you choose to do every second day or third day there's there's mm. huge value in that and i i want to uh to thank you for sharing all your stories, um, all your experiences, and Thank for you. continuing to to share your videos on YouTube and to inspire others through that, and as well as everything that you post through Instagram, you know, on behalf of myself and the and the other person listening, um, <laughs> in their car or on their way to work or on their way to school. Uh, thank you for doing what you do. I really appreciate you having me on here. And it was so, so lovely to talk to you. And you had really great questions. And I just, it's, yeah, it's nice to be able to talk about those things and share them with the listener and whoever is listening on the other side, because we're all in this together. And uh, some of us, some of us have been doing it for longer than others. Some of us are further along than others, but we're all, we're genuinely all in this, in this together and we can all relate to each other's struggles and no matter how in, uh, accomplished you are, no matter how big on social media you are, no matter how skilled you are, we all go for the same kind of troubles. We all still live through them. And I just think it's important to share them and talk about them and just relate to each other. So thank you so much for give me, giving me another platform on which to talk about those kinds of things. It was really, really lovely. Thank you. And so where can people find you online? We'll provide links to this, but where's the easiest place to, for people to find you, Miriam? So the easiest place to find me is Instagram, which is at Miriam Tilson, which is I post three times a week on there on average, um, usually a new thing every time. And, uh, and the next best place to find me would be YouTube, which is Miriam Tilson also. And I try and post every week. That hasn't really happened lately. <laughs> But uh, I do post regularly on there and that's where you can kind of see me in my more everyday life and see the process of what I do and hear me talk and that kind of thing. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the uh, the podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed our time and uh, I'm hopeful that, that people will check your work, watch your videos and uh, be inspired by what you do. Thank you so much. It was genuinely a wonderful wonderful pleasure and you really made my evening and thank you it's such a nice note to finish the day on <laughs> so thank you so much for having me thank you show notes including links to everything we discussed can be found at drawinginspiration.fm 11 you can find links to all my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm including my instagram which is mike underscore hendley i post all my work in works in progress follow me or tag me so i can see some of your wonderful work 
Thanks for joining Miriam and I, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.